Good afternoon. We're back with another episode of the Sean Mo Hoops podcast. I'm here with esteemed guest, Michael Weisenberg. Mikey V has been a regular uh, v- regular visitor on this podcast over the years and first time back in this 2020-21 COVID-19 related season. Mikey V, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Sean. Great to be back on with you and just watched a, a pretty rough first game for the Oregon Ducks, my alma mater. And in the meanwhile, I started my own podcast, uh, Viveland, and I've been very happy doing that. But always great to be on the Sean Mohus podcast and very excited to talk about this upcoming college basketball season. Yeah, so you and your brother have started the Viseland podcast, and you guys have been cranking out podcasts, um, what I think was weekly, and now I feel it's, it's almost every other day with, uh, with yeah. I'd say, unique, unique and very interesting content. Um, and I know you just recorded one and released one recently. So what, what was that about and what's kind of been the gist of your podcast? So, yeah, it was pretty much just something that we've been wanting to do for quite a while, Jason and I, and we, um, today released a podcast, just talking about 10 guys to look out for from the NCAA for this, uh, upcoming NBA draft cycle for 2021. And Pretty much our podcast focused on a lot of what I have kind of been uh, looking into, which is NBA draft, and then like fun basketball history stuff, like some redraft stuff, some going over um, little draft tidbits here and there, and uh, just a a relatively good time, I feel, Um, and just talking back and forth with my brother and uh, talking basketball, which is something that I've loved to do with you and just love to do in general. Yeah. So it's, um, it's very exciting to finally have college basketball back, which started last week. And, you know, despite everything that has gone on, the delayed start, the no fans, um, the last, I'd say five, five days have produced some very interesting matchups. You know, right now the Illinois Baylor game is in the second half, which, uh, what everybody has been looking forward to, but what have kind of been your initial, your initial reactions um, over the first, first basketball weekend? It's been pretty sloppy, um, <laughs> but nonetheless, it's just so excited to have it back in any form. I like the fact that it seems like most teams are abiding by the guidelines and uh, really taking safety precautions and, uh, I know that Oregon played their first game today and it's already been like a, you know, a solid week into the season, but yeah, I, I just, I'm so excited to have it back. And then I also love this incoming freshman class and that's been really exciting to see those players. And I, I feel like many of them have, I, I wouldn't say there have been like too many signature performances so far. There've been a few, but it's just, you can see the talent and that that's really exciting to see this entire draft cycle is uh, something that I, I know I'm really excited about. Yeah. I know we'll, we'll definitely kind of touch on a lot of the one and done and NBA draft prospects as we go. Uh, and I know usually are able to go to the Nike hoop summit and kind of get a, you know, one of the last, up, you know, in, in person updates um, on a lot of these guys, which is obviously canceled this year um and speaking of the nba we have 
really that kicking off this month and games starting at the end, you know, close to close to Christmas. So I'm just going to transition quickly before we go back to talking about college hoops, since there was a pretty big trade announcement uh, with the Wizards, John Wall going to Houston and Russell Westbrook going from Houston to the Wizards. And I'm probably one of the few Wizards fans there are, but from a kind of a, kind of an unbiased source, I'm curious your take uh, when you saw the news. I know it came out rumored um, a few weeks ago, but when you saw that it actually went through, what were your first thoughts? It was inevitable. My first thought was it was inevitable. It, it seemed like last year, because we knew John Wall was injured last year, um, but yeah, it seemed like last year when Russell Westbrook was talking about being traded, Chris Paul was pretty much the only salary that could support that trade just in a single player trade. And then now with Houston likely in that rebuild mode, John Wall seemed to be like the only option and their salary is almost exactly matching up. They both have pretty terrible contracts in terms of building a team and necessarily like what they bring to the table at this current point in time. I'm guessing even John Wall coming back, even if he's not an all-star, like he's probably an, an all-star level player. It's, it's not that they're bad players, but they just really constrain your team from being able to add players. And um, yeah, when you're paying that guy that much money, you would like him to probably be doing a little bit more, but yeah, I, I kind of felt like that was the inevitable deal that was going to happen. And um, when I heard it happened, I thought of the Spider-Man pointing to the other Spider-Man meme and uh that that kind of feels the same way like that they're both they're really similar and i feel like russell westbrook is likely the better player now and i i I feel like when it actually does happen like when the season actually starts and russell westbrook is playing for washington they'll probably be a more exciting team but um yeah it's uh i i think both of those teams are in pretty rough situations considering the fact that they, um, John Wall and Russell Westbrook will be getting paid over $47 million as a player option in the 2022-23 season. Sean, do you think they will take that player option? <laughs> I think, uh, I think most likely, most likely they will. Um, so do you, do you think anybody got the better or do you think it's just kind of a, a mixed, mixed bag? Houston got the pick. So, yeah, I I just think it's kind of a change of scenery, and uh, I guess it'll be interesting to see them in, in new places. But, yeah, it just seems like they're both really similar and bring similar uh, things to the table in terms of their strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, although I was, um, I'd say, fairly excited to see the, the trade go through. I, I mean, I think it would have been – would have been interesting to see a healthy wall and a healthy Beal back again, but similar to uh, the Gilbert Arenas, Antoine Jameson and Cron Butler show, everybody had seen that and they were, you know, brought back um, after Gilbert's injury. And even though they were brought back, you knew they really weren't going to be able to beat, beat Cleveland, unfortunately, even if everybody was healthy. And I think it was similar, even if wall was being brought back, I mean, you know, their ceiling was maybe a seven or, or eight seed. Um, mm-hmm. And there was probably the inevitable 
while Beal battles, um, especially with it kind of being Beal's team now. Um, so I was excited. I mean, I don't think, once again, it doesn't make uh, the Wizards a, a uh, contender in the Eastern Conference. Definitely not. But I think, one, it, it, they're, well, as you said, they're the same contracts, but it gets rid of just looking at John Wall and saying, man, this, you know, there's three years left of this and just wondering <laughs> when, when it's going to come off the books. And at least with Westbrook, um, you're getting somebody that is, you know, he's won an MVP. He's, he's at a higher level than, than John Wall. Um, he's exciting. Mm-hmm. And I think he bring, you know, I think he just brings a different excitement to the Wizards um, and, and a little bit more enthusiasm. Now, does that change their record? I think it will a little bit, but not a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. But I think it's good just to, uh, you know, get rid of <laughs> get rid of Wall's contract, even though you're replacing it with one that's exactly similar. Uh, but I think mm-hmm. it will be interesting to see how Beal and Westbrook uh, mix together and how long that that lasts. But I feel at least Westbrook, you know, he's been traded twice, so he can be traded. Where Wall. I think is is still a big uh, a big question mark. So, all that being said, I was excited for it and and excited to kind of have a different uh, you know different story in Washington D.C. Yeah, if I were Washington, I think I would be excited as well because you really don't know what you're getting from John Wall coming off of the injury. I know he's looked good in the little um, kind of preview sessions of him rehabbing and uh, practicing, but I think you know what you're getting with Russell Westbrook. You're getting excitement. You're getting the possibility of a triple double every night, a little versatility. And yeah, I I think um, if I were Washington, I'd be willing to see how that works out as well. And uh, maybe like a slightly higher level than John Wall based on him coming off of that injury. Yeah. So, you know, that, that provided some excitement in the NBA who's still waiting um, a little under a month to play, but um, you know, in terms of college basketball, you see a lot of teams that are big names in the top 10, but maybe teams that haven't um, been top 10 teams in a while. I mean, you see four big 10 teams, three in the top five right now with Illinois and Iowa teams that, that aren't usually there, but at number one, you have Gonzaga and Gonzaga was on their way to be a one seed last year. I think, their guard play was the question mark, um, whether Ryan Woolridge and Armand Gilder could play at a championship level. Um, and both of those players graduated, so you kind of have a new crop. But uh, over the weekend, they they took care of Kansas in the second half, and they just kind of had a, a nice little comeback against West Virginia. So offensively, they've looked pretty sharp, and they're pretty deep. Um, what have been your thought? What have your thoughts been on Gonzaga so far? I think they look fantastic. That, that's been my early thoughts. This game was pretty up and down. I watched a majority of it, and they, uh, yeah, still kind of working a few things out. And you know, the possibility because Jalen Suggs did get hurt. It looked pretty serious. He did come back into the game. Um, so you're hoping that there's no long-term repercussions as far as that's concerned. He's looked really, really good. Their front court looks solid. And um, Corey Kispert 
looking strong, doing some great things in transition and still a knockdown shooter. Drew Timmy, super, super um, just versatile as an offensive player, kind of like a little bit of inside-out game, but just great around the basket and a pretty fluid guy. And, yeah, uh, Joel Ayayi I thought was their best guard last year. And um, I think now he's kind of like their fourth guy, but still a really solid player also. Um, Then getting the late transfer of, like, Andrew Nemhard, who's a guy who can come in the game and kind of run your team also. Um, Started for two years for Florida. So, yeah, Gonzaga looks – as far as teams that I've seen this year, they are by far the best. Yeah, I uh, definitely agree. I mean, I, I love, I'd say Corey Kispert is one of my, I'd say, favorite players this year. Um, I think he's one of the purest shooters and was, was fun to watch in person, in person last year. And, and Drew Timmy, who was coming on last year as a freshman, and he was kind of stuck in that three, you know, three man big rotation. Um, and he was, he was coming on. Gonzaga lost both of those. And I think he's been the surprise for me of, of how quickly he has adapted to, um, you know, really a go-to role of scoring 25, 28, and 17 points in the, in the first three games. So I think he's been a surprise. Jalen Suggs was, the, as you mentioned, the freshman that's been highly touted, and he definitely lived up to the, build, the, the billing that he had. And at 6'4", you know, he's going to be a fun fun player to watch. And you mentioned Joel Ayayi, who – had a really good game today and he was somebody I know he was getting some second round love last year, but I was uh, a little more skeptical of him last year. So I think, you know, this year he's, he's uh, had another year to get a little better. And I think, I mean, Gonzaga is definitely going to be the most entertaining team to watch. Um, unfortunately, there's only a few more real powerhouses they're playing before they enter the West coast conference. So, I guess, um, you know, right now is the time to watch them before they kind of disappear a little bit. Yeah, I uh, think that Gonzaga, I don't know, that Gonzaga-Baylor game on Saturday is going to be really exciting. Yeah, I think that, you know, initially Gonzaga-Kansas was the the focus. And the last podcast I had uh, Drew Russell from Intersport on, and he talked about how that came together. And also talked a little bit about Gonzaga Baylor. And I know there was the concerns of, of COVID and, and would this happen. But, um, you know, between Bubbleville, uh, Fort Myers, Florida, and now Indianapolis, they've certainly had uh, quite, the, quite the games so far. Um, and definitely looking to that Gonzaga Baylor game. Um, one team I wanted to bring up to you just to get your thoughts because the Maui Invitational held in Asheville just finished today and Texas won it for the first time under um, Shaka Smart who looks completely different with his full head of hair and and mm-hmm. you know kind of different uh, different different wardrobe but um, I'm going to kind of go early into a, a buy sell segment are you buying or selling Texas after their uh, Maui Invitational victory? I'm buying Texas is looking like a pretty good team. Yeah. I don't know. Like the big 12 is going to be really tough, but they're looking good, man. Like they played some great defense. I feel during Maui. 
Um, they, that North Carolina game, I'm sorry, Sean, incredibly close contest. And Matt Coleman, just, uh, yeah, Texas managing to make some shots. Their guards look pretty good. Matt Coleman making the game winner. But he just played solid throughout Maui and has looked good as a senior this year for Texas. Courtney Ramey um, and they uh, Andrew Jones also playing really well. And then they have that front court that's just super athletic. And Kai Jones looks super intriguing. Like, what do you think of Kai Jones so far? Because he, he's really stood out to me in the uh, few games I've watched of Texas this year. Yeah, I mean, he he was a big difference maker. Um one, just kind of getting an, an early basket uh, to kind of get things going, and then um, hitting a three, and what did he have? He had eight re- eight rebounds, um, and you look at him, and he's he's 6'11", and here's a 6'11 guy hitting threes, especially for a Texas team that was struggling uh, coming into the game. Um, I think they're yeah. at 34%, but that was, was only so high because they, they did very well in their first game against – uh, Rio Grande Valley so they were really struggling in Asheville and then they were struggling early to start the game and then all of a sudden um, you know the basket became wide wide open but I think for yeah. Jones, just given his size and length um, he is probably one of the more intriguing players on on Texas going forward um, going into the game for sure I think the biggest concern was uh, in, in terms of Texas and their experience you mentioned both Coleman, um, you know, who's a, a senior as well as yeah, Andrew, Andrew Jones, a, yep, a junior, and Andrew Jones, a junior as well. So I thought that was going to be um, a little bit of the, the difference, and and it was. Uh, Matt Coleman, no surprise hitting the, the game winner. If you could have picked a guy, would have been Coleman or Greg Brown, um, just due to the fact that you know for a while in high school. UNC was was looking at Coleman and playing on Boo Williams and being from yeah. from that area, and then mm-hmm. uh, more recently Greg Brown, who received a scholarship offer, and then for whatever reason it it kind of cooled off. Um, so I know they were both excited to play UNC and and get the victory. But what are your thoughts on uh, Greg Brown? I know as kind of one of the most athletic and highly touted freshmen, uh, he's kind of had an interesting start to the season, but what have your thoughts been on him? He looked a little bit better today, but yeah, I just feel in terms of skill set and pace of the game, he's struggled a little bit. Still not the most consistent shooter, and it it looked his the shot looked a little bit better today, but against Indiana, I thought it looked pretty bad. Um, so yeah, he's still a guy that I feel is kind of getting used to the pace of college basketball and has kind of underwhelmed a bit when I've seen him for Texas this year. Uh, But that like the vertical athleticism is still super elite and he's a really good slasher. He has potential even as a log finisher. So just, just another really athletic guy for, for Texas that, that front court of like Jericho Sims, um, Greg Brown and then bringing Kai Jones off the bench. Like the thing with Kai Jones that kind of opened my eyes as well is he, like he even made like a pull-up jumper. The shot looks pretty good. And then that energy and athleticism uh, really stand out for him. I know he was always a guy that um, I, I think even he went to Euro camp, like when they were still having that event and stood out there. 
and it seems like he has the, the measurements on his side as well. Uh, I don't remember much of him from his freshman year, but this year he, he's really stood out the, those first couple times, and I, I think is, is somebody to watch. But, yeah, like when Greg Brown is, is slashing and, and getting to the basket, and if he has, like, any semblance of an open lane, then it's pretty much over. But, um, yeah, it's Texas still seems like they are a little raw, and the shooting is absolutely a question mark, and I, I don't think something that you can rely upon with them. But, uh, yeah, they, they look like a nice athletic team. Like, this might be Shaka Smart's best group in a while. Yeah, I agree with that. I, and I think, you know, it comes at the ideal time where his seat was starting to get hot. Uh, but once again, he does have some talent. He has players back. You know, Kai Jones has a crazy almost 156 offensive rating on Kempom uh, four games in. And Greg Brown, who has a crazy high usage percentage, I think it was around 35% before the game. Oh, wow. 15 from three. Uh, he had his first one today. But I think for him, it was probably a little easier going against UNC's uh, two center system. Um, so yeah. Having, you know, having a guy like Baycott or even Brooks, so you know yeah. you can get by um, from the perimeter, kind of gives you a little. Still was more. only three of nine today, too. Yeah. Um, but kind of gives you a little more, a little more confidence because um, I know at least early on he was, um, you know, doing a little more damage than than what was uh, possibly expected. So I, I would say I'm, I'm buying, you know, I'm buying Texas. I don't think they're a championship level team, but in terms of being better than uh, the Texas teams in the past, I can definitely get behind that one. I am with you. All right. Well, we're starting, starting, I guess, two for two in terms of uh, both being in on Gonzaga and, and uh, Texas. So, I'm going to I'm going to do a kind of a higher level one of of the Big 10. Are you in on the Big 10? Um given Oh. given and not not the whole Big 10, but I'm talking about the top tier teams. You know, the, those uh four top yeah. 10 teams right now. Illinois, um, Iowa, uh, Michigan State and Wisconsin. I have not watched Iowa or Wisconsin yet. I um will, will the Big Ten be breaking their championship drought this year? Oh no, I, I I'm I have to sell on that one. Uh, as good as as they may be, I like I feel like Iowa has a pretty good team. I Wisconsin being that high was really surprising to me, and Michigan State looks fine, and they beat Duke. You know that that was cool, but. They, uh, yeah, I, I just, I'm not sure I, I buy them as sticking around like the top 10 the whole year. Um, and Illinois looks pretty good. Like, I, I think Illinois legitimately is a pretty decent team and they have some depth. Um, but yeah, like, I, I just feel like that conference is probably going to kill each other this year. And I, I feel like if I had to have a, a favorite team to win it, it would not be from the Big Ten. Could, uh, yep. I mean, I could agree with that. And I think Iowa and Luca Garza, I mean, I remember watching him at the City of Palms, and he was very mm-hmm. intriguing to watch. So I think 
think he was going to be scoring 30 plus points a game um, under Fran McCaffrey. Definitely not, but uh, <laughs> he was intriguing back then. Um, and another team, Wisconsin, who I haven't really seen, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm actually somewhat intrigued to to watch them just given some of the size they have. And I do like uh, Trice, their point guard, because uh, I, I do like how, how quick he is. But, uh, you know, probably watching one, one Wisconsin game will be enough. And then, you know, in terms of Illinois, um, right now they're down down 11 to Baylor, but they're, they're going to be, um, you know, pretty, I think, fun team to watch this year. They got pretty lucky with the NBA draft and, and who came back. But um, yeah, absolutely. Between IO and uh, Adam Miller, who I think is going to be, you know, he doesn't really have like those NBA intangibles that jump off the page, which I think is why he was ranked lower than than others but i think he's going to be a really solid college basketball player completely agree with you there do you remember uh usa basketball watching adam miller and caleb love playing together i do that was yeah they i thought they did a great job so the fact that adam miller can play on off ball make some nice passes is a really good shooter uh andre corbello also good exciting player guy that you can put the ball in his hand. So I like their, their guards and uh, kind of the base they have there. And then of course, huge guy like uh, Kofi Coburn who came back and um, he uh, definitely makes an impact as well. Uh, right now, just playing a really tough Baylor team who may be the best team outside of Gonzaga right now. And I, I think uh, Baylor and Gonzaga look like they really deserve those uh preseason rankings as of right now yeah i mean they they uh you know baylor once again another team that got lucky in terms of who tested the waters and, and who came back and i do remember miller and and love kind of the midwest um chicago and st louis team at usa basketball and that was where caleb love was just able to use a pick and roll drive hard left and uh pull up or get to the basket so a little little different right now at UNC where he's, he's gotten off to a, a mixed, mixed start, uh, but definitely interested to see how he continues to perform um, at UNC. But I'll go, um, I'll go one other team because I think this will segue into a player that, that you've talked about before. And I know you're curious, but Florida state just had their first game today. Uh, they, they only played North Florida. So still um, waiting uh, for their Indiana and Florida matchups for the ACC. But what are your thoughts on Florida State slash Scotty Barnes uh, this year? Well, you know I love Scotty Barnes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that isn't going to change. And <laughs> I, I did see that in his first game he, he did shoot um, a solid 4 of 11 from the field against North Florida. Um, but he also had six assists six rebounds. I'm sure played fantastic defense. I'm not sure if you saw, but he had um, this one dunk in transition where he put the ball around his back and just jammed it. Um, so yeah, he, he's a guy that I, I'm just going to love to watch. And I, I am over two, three point shooting and over three free throw shooting. I did see that as well. And uh, that is something that we knew about with Scotty that, could be a possible issue. Um, we're, we're hope. Hey, 
he at least attempted three pointers and hopefully he gets to the free throw line and, and makes some good things happen. I think one thing we've noticed with many freshmen right now is their three point shooting, um, it, especially with the star freshmen, like uh, the Kentucky guys, uh, BJ Boston and um, Terrence Clark are a combined zero for 19 to start the year. Um, so yeah, it, shooting usually an, an issue with many freshmen and it definitely, I, I would say more of one with Scotty, but I, I'm really excited to see how point Scotty works. And uh, I, I just feel like, um, Leonard Hamilton is going to have Florida State being a, a pretty nice team once again. But, yeah, just look an, a quick up and down of the roster. Uh, not a lot of depth at guard. And uh, I, I'm a little wary of, uh, you know, the, the I guess the defensive matchups. Though they have so much size, it's going to be really interesting. I, I guess the key will be shooting. And, uh, yeah, you're, you're not going to get that out of Scotty Barnes, and hopefully you get that out of some of the other returning players, such as uh, MJ Walker or Anthony Polite. All right, so you, you brought them up. So in terms of the, the last team, buying or selling Kentucky? Oh, Kentucky. Um, I will – you know what? I'll sell Kentucky. I just – I'm – not going to sell them as being like an NCAA team. And I, I think they're going to figure it out. They just have too much talent not to, but they just do not really fit that well together. Like it's, um, I, you would think having Boston or Clark on Baltimore would probably do a little bit better. I, I felt like Askew really struggled yesterday and Davion Mintz is not so, is more of like that off guard than point guard. Um, but yeah, I uh, yeah I have some legitimate concerns about how they function as a, a team this year. Yeah, I, I I mean I think their length is is crazy in terms of just how long they are. Fantastic. Yeah. The ball in the basket, and so far in the uh, both at home against Richmond, uh, who we should definitely talk about on another another podcast. Oh man, they're they're fun. Annapolis um, didn't put it in, which, you know, Boston's not surprising. Clark, I thought, would would be able to um, hit a little bit more. And Devin Askew, I mean, I was got to see him a little bit more at Matter Day out here. And while well, he's always been good, was never as high on him as, as others. So it'll be interesting to see how they progress. But, you know, when you have Isaiah Jackson and, and Oliver Saar uh, as your bigs, I think, you know, it'll, it'll allow them to, to figure, to figure things out going forward. Um, yeah. I, I think they're still really talented. Um, I'm just kind of buying them as like a national title contender, I guess. But um, I, yeah, I, I, I think the shooting is going to come. The thing that they really had a tough time doing was kind of like breaking down the defense yesterday. Um, just when, when Askew kind of had the ball and then, when they just were flat out not shooting at all. Um, another thing I don't know if you you had noticed, but the, there are so many just super observant guys that I, I know in the draft community. When uh, Terrence Clark has catch and shoot shots, his knees kind of go in together. Have you have you ever kind of noticed that just as a trend? Um, I've noticed how much he liked to dribble 
Um, at yeah, he does. Um, but no, I, I haven't focused on his three point shooting, but definitely interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it, it's going to come along with Boston. I, I feel like he always kind of had a little bit of a hitch on his shot also. Um, but yeah, just really talented. He, to me, he's their most talented uh, prospect, BJ Boston. Uh, just with his creativity around the basket, using his length to finish, and just really aggressive, even with kind of a lack of strength. So the, a good sign there. Um, I absolutely thought they were a more talented team than than Kansas. It just seems like Kansas won with experience and uh, just kind of they they kind of killed them a little bit inside and then outsmarted them on just a, a few plays like Isaiah Jackson um, not boxing out on a few uh, free throw rebounds that got them extra possessions. Um, so yeah, that, that was like, cause Kansas didn't play well yesterday either and shot 30%, less than 30% from the field and yeah, still ended up winning the game. game. It was a, it was an entertaining, ugly game. Uh, yes, for sure. Because of how close it was. Um, all right. Well, definitely. We'll, we'll see how Kentucky goes, but in terms of players, you mentioned Scotty Barnes, but I'm interested, you know, maybe two or three players that you've either enjoyed watching or you're excited to, to watch as the season continues. Um, I, is it sacrilegious to say Cade Cunningham? <laughs> <laughs> because obviously he, he's a player that I think everybody is excited to watch and, I still feel is the odds-on favorite to go number one in the 2021 NBA draft. But, yeah, he's just – he has been a lot of fun. And then played his first game against, I guess, like a, a kind of a power five team um, or like, you know, that level kind of team in, in Marquette and uh, did pretty well. Just has this tremendous balance. Uh, he, his passing ability is – he he hasn't necessarily like stacked up the assist numbers that I felt like he was going to, but such a great passer and the shot looks really good too. Um, and his ability to score through contact. So yeah, he, he's definitely one of the guys that I'm going to be tuning into quite a bit. Um, and then as far as another team or players that I, I'm interested in, I can't wait to see Tennessee play. And um I felt like Keon Johnson was maybe the standout of USA basketball last year, um, the 2019 October minicamp that Sean and I went to. Um, he's a player that I'm very excited to see, and Jaden Springer, uh, another freshman guard. So, yeah, those are just a couple guys. I, I just think Tennessee is going to be really athletic, really fun, and they they may be the favorite to win the SEC this year. Yeah, uh, they, they're definitely a team. And once again, they're a team that hasn't played a game yet. Uh, but I think they're probably the team I'm most interested in because you, you mentioned Keon Johnson. And I know he's, when you look at any uh, mock draft, he's he's pretty high, much higher than he is in the high school recruiting rankings. And I, I just remember his athleticism standing out uh, where you had really the top players in the country last year and then you had Jaden Springer who's pretty athletic in himself and then some veteran big men um, as well yeah. as um, Josiah Jordan James uh, who at one point Indeed. was I believe a projected lottery pick very early uh, in the mock drafts going into last year and he obviously uh, 
struggled uh, struggled last year, but once again, could be one of those sophomores that makes that sophomore jump. So yeah, definitely agree with you on Tennessee in terms of being being interested on. Um, so you have Tennessee, Kate Cunningham, any anybody else that um, maybe you're higher on than, than others or that you're kind of interested to, to see uh, play a few more games? Um, not necessarily that I'm higher on him than others, but just from a, a draft perspective, uh, very much looking forward to uh, Evan Mobley. And I, I've seen a little bit of him so far. Just looks like he's at least kind of one of the focal points of the USC offense, which is really nice to see. After uh, Onyeko Kongwu had such a fantastic freshman year, they're bringing in this even higher rated freshman big in uh, Evan Mobley. And he and just moves. Yeah, absolutely. Compton Magic. Uh, man, like, yeah, to think that uh, Isaiah, Onyeka, and Evan all played together is pretty crazy. Um, and then, yeah, like, both of the Mobley brothers are, are great passers. Evan has even shown some ability to, to – um, his shot at least looks a little bit better than I, I thought it would. Um, and yeah, it just moves so incredibly well and then has great defensive instincts, has that ridiculous wingspan. So yeah, he's, uh, I think going to be one of the more interesting draft prospects this year and a, a guy that I am absolutely going to keep an eye on. Yeah. USC a little disappointed. Can't go watch them in person uh, because I think, you know, after a lot of the USC teams, you get pretty familiar with, um, you, you know, even the team last year had a lot of juniors and seniors to go along with Mobley and, and Big O. Um, and now mm -hmm. you're more talented Mobley coming in, but you look at their game against BYU, where I think they were three and a half point underdogs, and they ended up um, really blowing BYU out by almost 30. And they have uh, really two transfers, one from uh, Santa Clara and then another from Rice that played pretty well. So Yeah, Drew Peterson's looked pretty good. Yeah, so I think they'll be they'll be uh, definitely interesting, especially in the Pac twelve, which um, you know, is, is close to us. Could like, be a mess. <laughs> yeah, a me messy slash although I think that you know there should be some, some talent which at least is at least Absolutely. Um, yeah. so we, uh, we'll definitely see on that front. One, one of the guys that we had talked about, talked about earlier before getting on air was Moses Moody. Um, yes. Um, Arkansas. And I think for me, Arkansas is one of those intriguing teams to watch. Even for sure. Though, um, you know, Ken Palm, they're rated number 50. They haven't really played anybody yet, but you have Moses Moody from, uh, really the top high school team in the country, Montverde, playing with Cade Cunningham, De'Ron Sharp. Uh, so it wasn't, you know, and I can't remember exactly what it was ranked, but I think 20s or 30s. But now here's a guy that is really one of the go-to guys for Arkansas who's lost a lot of scoring. And despite his ranking, is projected as a one-and-done kind of top 20-ish uh, draft pick. Um, and he's been playing really well. So Moses Moody I'm interested in, as well as Justin Smith, yep. who – I feel like I've been watching forever since in high school with uh, Jalen Brunson, 
back in Lincolnshire at Stevenson. He was a year below uh, Jalen Brunson. Uh, so he kind of added some athleticism and was always a guy I thought would do a little better at Indiana. But so far, while it's early, he's been been playing well. But Arkansas is definitely a team I'm interested in in watching play, you know, once, once they step up their, their scheduling. Absolutely. It looks like they just have some great depth with some of the transfers that they added. And, uh, yeah, Moses Moody is – just one of those guys who you see is possibly being like a plus three and D wing. Um, I, I think he's about six foot six with like a seven foot wingspan has some ball skills as well. Not like just a shooter. Um, I think he had his first really good game today and uh, it had shot pretty poorly in his first two games, at least from the field and from three, but he had 24 points on 12 field goals today. And yeah, he he was a guy that I, I felt was really underranked, especially when you're looking at what the NBA looks for and uh, what he could possibly bring to the table um, as a guy who is a three and deep with some really good passing instincts as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, so one one other guy I'm interested in watching is not from a power five team. Uh, I'm going to go down to uh, the Ohio Valley and Terry Taylor for Austin P. Okay. <laughs> um, in terms of what, so interesting fact, um, Terry Taylor won the conference freshman of the year over a guy named John Morant. Um, yeah. So that, that put him on my radar early and you know, last year he put up insane stats. The, he's he's only six he's six five two thirty, so he, he really is kind of one of these undersized big man. Um, but he is a beast on the boards, very efficient, um, and just put you know already now. Granted, the the competition hasn't been been great, but he's put up twenty one and twelve, twenty five and sixteen, and and twenty two and ten. Um, and you look at his his metrics, and as I said, kills it on the boards. Um, you know, decent shot blocker, three point shooting. He can hit the three. Is definitely not his his forte. Um, but he, he's kind of a guy, especially when you know when you're playing mid major basketball. Um, he's a guy that just dominates the game, and teams have to send double teams at him in the post. Uh, and I I've just been kind of enamored with him. For a while so he, he's not you know your first round nba draft pick but i think from a college basketball standpoint is definitely a mid-major that will be fun to watch um at times during the year yeah i just love watching fun basketball players as is and um yeah i, I knew about terry taylor but i can't say that i've seen too much um is he like a, a kind of like new kind of kyle hines a former Sean Moe Hoops podcast guest. <laughs> um, in some, yeah, in some circumstances, I, I do think there's some similarity. I mean, some similarities. Um, you know, what was crazy when I talked to Kyle Hines over the summer was, I think he's listed at six six, uh, but he was saying he's literally like six three, six four. Uh, um, so yeah, he was saying that without shoes. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but to, you know, be doing that and playing 
you know, at the high level he is without being a three-point shooter is pretty remarkable. So I, I do think fantastic Taylor, um, whether, you know, it's not definitely not a comparison to P.J. Tucker because uh, he was a beast at Texas and elsewhere, but kind of a guy in that in that mold um, that would have been passed over, you know, passed over and forgotten many years ago. But I think now, you know, could potentially get some looks just given his unique talent ability. Uh, but once again, taking out the NBA, at least a guy to, to watch in college and, you know, perhaps they, they do make it to the tournament this year. Um, so just a name that is intriguing to me. Um, but two other players I wanted to bring up to you as we, as we wrap this up are both on the Canadian side. Um, one is Zach Eady, the 7-4 center freshman from Purdue who has been playing extremely well. And then the other one is Delano Barton from Nebraska, who's a transfer from Western Kentucky and a redshirt and basically a sophomore um, since he sat out last year. And I'm curious, given your knowledge of Canadian basketball, how familiar are you with either of those two? So I saw uh, it's Delano Banton. Banton. And I don't know he, why I um, Banton. It, it, his name looks very similar to Barton. Uh, I actually was able to go to um, his practice right before his first college game and his first college game against University of Washington when he was playing with Western Kentucky. And the thing that you noticed about him immediately was how comfortable he was handling the ball at his size um, and also his passing vision. And I, I'm he really struggled in his first college game there. I think there were a number of reasons he, he was kind of, um, I think a late addition, uh, I believe reclassified, but he, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not really surprised that he's doing pretty well for Nebraska. He, he looked like somebody who could really play, um, not necessarily a, a great shooter, but, you know, has the ability to, uh, I guess, manipulate and get into the lane, kick it out, uh, finish with his size and, uh, get some rebounds. So yeah, it seems like he's really stuck in the stat sheet so far and then showing some good things defensively too. I, I saw highlights from his first game and it just looked like he was like blocking three pointers and, uh, really giving uh, a lot of matchup issues. Yeah. So I was able to watch, um, Nebraska play over the weekend and, I think at the time it was was really the only college basketball game on when they're playing North Dakota State, um, and you know I think Nebraska, I think they were predicted last in the conference, but they have a lot of interesting individual guard talents. Um, so I, I tuned in to watch Teddy Allen and Allen's um, and Kobe Webster play, and all of a sudden I see this, you know, extremely lanky guy that I didn't really know much about, and here he is bringing the ball up the court and then basically playing uh, center on defense. And he was grabbing rebounds, had a really good ability to finish with his left hand despite being right-handed. Um, you know, shooting, he hit the three, uh, but pretty low percentage right now. But it was more his ability to get to the basket and his length that was uh, very, very intriguing to me. So definitely a guy uh, you know, will probably cause me to turn into Nebraska a little bit more than than I normally normally would, um, and then then Edie, I didn't really know 
uh, much about at all. And all of a sudden you watch him and you're like, holy, oh my God, this guy's 7'4". And, you know, just he's been playing extremely well for a freshman. Um, so have you gotten to see him at all or seen seen any highlights? I have seen highlights of Zach Eady so far. He is just an enormous human being. Um, and it looks like he, he moves at least fairly well considering his size. But, yeah, I, I saw that he's putting up huge numbers for Purdue. have not gotten a chance to see them play yet. I do know a bit about his past that he played for the Northern Kings and um, was with IMG Academy the past couple years. And remember seeing a video of him uh, playing against Julian Newman and mercilessly blocking his shot. Um, but, yeah, it seems like he's uh, immediately at least gotten some playing time for Purdue and is playing up these, like, ridiculous numbers early on uh it seems more on the offensive end than uh blocking shots or anything like that but yeah just a a huge guy and uh obviously being at img academy i'm guessing they they must have uh given him a a really solid foundation yeah i mean you know once again seven foot four uh which is which is crazy and very efficient um, offensive players so far second in the country in offensive rebounding percentage. So basically throw it up and he'll go get it. Um, Unreal. Yeah. His rebounding percentage is 24.4. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, once again, you know, maybe, the, you know, throw in Purdue and Michigan into that big 10 and, and uh, you know, you have an interesting, interesting season, um, but kind of with, with that, uh, want to wrap up this early edition of the college college hoops uh, podcast as as the season kicks on and looking forward to one um, listening to your future podcast, but two having you you on as the season continues and kind of taking a deeper dive into some of the freshmen and other draft prospects, and then continuing our our buy sell and seeing uh, seeing who comes up over the next few weeks. Sean, thank you so much for having me on. It's great to be back, and it's really great to have your podcast to listen to once again. Yeah, it took kind of the a summer summer hiatus after the the Kyle Hines one, um, after kind of getting off to a, a quick start at the early part of, of COVID with Josh Passner and Mark Pope and um, a few other a few other podcasts. But glad to be back and and glad to get your insight. So thanks for coming on, and once again. It's the Viseland, V-I-S-E-L-A-N-D podcast, uh, which I think is is definitely uh, unique and interesting and, and always a good listen to learn something new. So thanks again for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. For anybody that didn't listen to those podcasts Sean did during the summer with those guests, they were excellent. And I really, I love the, the Kyle Hines. Uh, I thought Mark Pope gave like some excellent insight during his uh into his time at kentucky also and uh josh pastner always great listen as well so yeah sean you just keep up the great work what happens with georgia tech but uh appreciate it and we'll chat with you soon thank you sean